Let me just burst your bubble right now. Now, I'm not saying don't vote on Tuesday. I hope you will. But vote realizing none of these people will fix this. There's only one person who will fix the mess of this world. It's Jesus. It's the only one. So deep down, we want him to be both and we need him to be both. You see, it's the tension of the Bible. We see this picture of God who is unbelievably compassionate and gracious and merciful and patient. And yet at the same time, a God of absolute holiness and justice. So holy, in fact, that one sin is such an offense to His perfect holiness that it deserves death. I mean, that's, an, that's a picture of holiness we can hardly fathom. And we rarely do. But you see, Scripture shows us that God is both perfectly, not a little bit of this and a little bit of that, perfectly just and holy, and yet perfectly merciful and loving. And so the question is, how is He both? Those are opposite characteristics, right? Judgment and mercy are opposites. Judgment is giving you what you deserve, whether it's good, whether it's, it's lifting you up or judging you and bringing you down. And yet mercy is not giving you what you deserve. So how can you do both of those? How are those reconciled? That is the tension of the Bible. How is it reconciled? One place, the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where God's judgment and His mercy kiss. They come together in only that place. It's the only way God can be both. It's the only way He can bring full judgment and yet absolute, never-ending, overflowing mercy and grace. Only in the place of the cross where He executes His judgment on His Son in the place of those to whom He will have everlasting mercy. It only works with the cross. Without the cross, God's got to be one or the other. And listen, our culture loves Him to be love and mercy. In other cultures, that's as distasteful as wrath is to us. You go to the Middle East and you say, hey, God is a God of judgment. And they're like, darn right He is. God is a God of love. You might see the blade when you say that. It's an offense. The reality of who God is in the gospel is an offense to every culture. So it's a vivid picture of God's, the reality of who He is, and yet pointing us, this passage is pointing us to the gospel. It's pointing us to salvation in Christ. That we get rescued out of the Sodom of this world by the coming of Jesus. And it points us to a day when judgment is coming. You know, Jesus in His teaching was very clear about this. There's, there is a day that is coming on His return when Jesus will return not to come to a cross, not as a lamb, not as one who would give up His life, but rather as a conquering king, riding on a horse with the armies of heaven behind Him to bring judgment once and for all to the earth. Jesus says when... On the day of the Son of Man, it will be like the day of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. It's going to be the same. Everybody's going about life, and here he comes. And when he comes, he's not coming back and saying, okay, who's been naughty and who's been nice? Right? Let's get everybody arranged here. Let's see who's been good enough for heaven, and you'll come over here, and these people will be judged. It won't be a day where we're going to make a case. 
we're not going to plead our case. We're not going to say, wait a minute, you know, I did the best I could. I did some good stuff over here. You know, I wasn't like those people over here. We're not going to spin the truth. There, there won't be any games. There won't be any blame shifting at all. Because he will see all the way down to the reality. There will be one distinction that he will make. Are you in Christ? That's the only question. Are you in Christ? If you're in Christ, judgment has already been satisfied. So we will be received. We will know everlasting mercy. And those who are not will perish. There's even a hint of this in the passage. You know, you've got to ask the question, why did Lot get out? And you can't say because he got the right information and he was the smart guy who decided to get out because we just read verse 16. He knew everything that was coming and decided, I don't think I want to go. And what did God do? Grabbed him by the hand and drug him out. You want a picture of grace? See, the gospel is a message of rescue. We don't meet God halfway where he says, here, here's the information. You say, oh, I'm smart enough to get it. I think I'll take the out here. No, the gospel is he had to come in and literally drag us out. And then in verse 29, look at this just hint of the gospel here. So when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham and brought Lot out of the catastrophe. Do you get that? Why was Lot rescued? Because God remembered Abraham. Lot got out because of his relationship to Abraham. Not because of anything in himself. It was because of God's covenant with Abraham that Lot was rescued. That's the gospel. It is because of our union with Christ that we're rescued from God's judgment. That he looks upon us and he remembers Jesus. And we are rescued. You see, Jesus, unlike Abraham, did not plead from a distance like Abraham did. Jesus came into Sodom. And literally, as we're being rescued out, we're passing him on the way in. And he went and he took the wrath upon himself on the cross. Burning sulfur fell upon him as he was separated from the Father. All of God's wrath for me and for you fell upon Christ so that we might be rescued. And it's the only rescue that there is. So just a few questions just to apply it this morning. Have you been rescued? That's the ultimate question that this passage just the most important question you're going to answer, ask in your life. Have I been rescued? Ha, have, have I been united to Christ? That's not saying, are you good enough to escape judgment? Because that question will do you no good. Have you been united to Jesus in repentance and faith? Have you surrendered yourself to Him? Have you left the world and embraced Jesus? That's the most important question we'll ever ask ourselves. And, and if you want to process that question, I would love to meet and talk with you about that. But here's the second question. If you have been rescued and united to Jesus, does it show in your life? In other words, are you like Lot? Remember, Lot belonged to the Lord. 
But yet, he was deeply compromised in his life. There was no spiritual power and clarity in his life because of how compromised his conscience was. He had one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. And so the second question is, are you like Lot? Compromised. Desensitized to the world. Now the good news is, is that you can come to Jesus. You're already in Christ. You can, you can be cleansed and be rescued afresh. Be washed. Be renewed. But there's no happiness in that. There is no happiness in being a compromised Christian. I know because I've lived it many, many times. There's no happiness in it. There's no power. And then finally, here's the third question for us. Do we live like there's a storm coming? Do we as the church live as if judgment is coming? Because Jesus was so clear about that. And that, you know, whenever a storm's coming, life's a little bit different. Life isn't business as usual. Yes, we, we are to go on about life. But there's a sense of urgency with our friendships, with our family, with our neighbors, with how we live our life. It's a place to be alert. And I just ask, do we live with that alertness of what's coming? So this morning we get to come to the table, to the communion table. And this meal that we take is an intimate encounter with the living God. Where he, you know, this picture of Lot welcoming the angels into his home and sharing a meal with them. It, it, it's kind of a little picture of right here in the middle of the Sodom of this world, God comes down to share a meal with those who are in union with Him. And that's what this communion table is. Where those who are united to Christ, we come and share this meal with Jesus. But it's also an opportunity before we come, every single time we come to the table, it's an incredible opportunity to examine ourselves. It's a great opportunity for that. And to say, where am I at? Where am I at in my life? Am I united to Jesus? Have I surrendered the world and my heart to Him? Is that true of me? And listen, if you're unsure of that, Scripture is very clear, you shouldn't take communion. Um, That would be doing something that's not true in your own life. And if you're unsure, I'd love to talk about that later, about what does that mean to be united to Jesus. I'd love to have that conversation. So if you wish not to take communion, you can remain seated and just sing and consider Jesus as we go through this time, or you can come forward and be prayed for. If you want to be prayed for at the kneelers and not serve communion, just put your hands down like this, and that'll let us know. Just pray for me. I'm not ready to take the elements here. But if you are in union with Christ, one of the questions to ask is, what are the ways in which I'm compromised? Because there's always ways that we're compromised, that we're being tempted to run after the things of this world rather than satisfied in Jesus alone. And so examine those places in your life, and we're going to have a prayer of confession, which is an opportunity for us to come before Jesus, to own those things, to offer them up to us, to receive His grace, and then meet Him at His table. So that's what we're going to do now. So let's Pray this prayer of confession we're going to bring up here. Let me encourage you. You know, we say this together so that we say it together as one. I give us an opportunity to to confess silently your sin to the Lord. 
I just want to encourage you to take this opportunity to really open your heart and get real before the Lord. This is not just a thing that we do before we get to communion. This is a real opportunity to open your heart in vulnerability and in confession to the Lord. So let's pray together. Gracious God, our sins are too heavy to carry, too real to hide, and too deep to undo. Forgive what our lips tremble to name, what our hearts can no longer bear, and what has become for us a consuming fire of judgment. Set us free from a past that we cannot change. Open to us a future in which we can be changed. And grant us grace to grow more and more in your likeness and image. Through Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Now take a few moments to confess silently your sin to the Lord. Father, we acknowledge that not only do we live in Sodom, but Sodom lives in us. And we offer up to you the myriad of ways that our hearts run after the things of this world. The ways in which we do not find total and complete satisfaction in Jesus. We confess that up to you. And receive now the washing of your blood and of your spirit that we might be empowered and renewed to walk in newness of life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now hear these words of assurance from God's word. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen.